graphic computer animation, but when you go back, and, and you may or may not know this, um, especially you kiddies, but that's, Snow White is the first ever full-length animation ever made. There's been other sort of, as in cell animation, as in frame by frame, someone drew everything to make what now we do on computers. There was other animation, but this is the first time anyone ever made a film, a story, and actually drew every cell and animated it. Um, and of course, it's what launched what we know as Disney, Walt Disney. So it was him and his company that did this, took this ambitious project on to do this uh, film, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And even though it's not specifically around Christmas, it's, it's often considered a Christmas film because it's snowy, I guess. And um, it's a bit of a family classic. It's actually from a, an old folk German folk story by the Brothers Grimm. Um, so it was adapted from that to make the story uh, that you now see and know as a cartoon. Um, and like a lot of, actually a lot of old cartoons, not so much with the modern ones, but with the older animations, they had quite a serious deep story behind them. Actually, it's often quite dark, to be honest with you, going on behind them. Um, and so there's often a struggle between good and evil that's going on in these uh, cartoons. And even though you know it's going to turn out for the goods, um, you kind of feel kind of anxious during it because you, you're not quite sure that, whether it's going to win or not. And, um, and the core of that struggle in the story of Snow White is based on like jealousy um, and envy and um, vanity and the envy of beauty, um, all represented by an evil queen. Um, and basically, um, that leads to a plot uh, where Snow White gets tricked into eating uh, a poisoned apple and she falls into a death sleep, and she's unable to wake up. That's the story of Snow White, um, as the first part of it passes through. You kind of, she's not going to be able to wake up, and she won't come back from it, as far as we can tell. It's a great story. It, it really is a great story, um, as I said, by the Brothers Grimm. But the original story, the dwarfs had no names. They were just seven mine-working dwarfs that worked down a mine, if you know the, the sort of story again. Um, but they didn't have any names. It was Disney who gave them names and gave them names based on basically hu mostly human characteristics, human emotions, human behaviours, so that they could very specifically represent different things in each characters. And actually today we're going we're gonna to meet four of those seven dwarfs um, and kids and adults, we're going to look at the characteristics together and how they relate to Advent. If you look at the back, we've got the kind of four um, themes we've been preaching during Advent up there on the, in the stars. And we'll be going through that and just talking about Christmas, what it all means to us. So, who wants to come and open the first box? Oh, that was fast, Oakley. I have to give you, I have to give you that one, my word. Come on down, Oakley. It's like a quiz show. Oakley, come on down. Let's give Oakley a round of applause for being first volunteer. <laughs> Too late, Oakley. Another child? No, come on, mate. Hurry up. Uh, you get to open this one. So if you want to lift the lid off, there's something inside it for you. Ah, that's for you. You can take that. Yes, yeah, all right. It's all for you. Well done. Congratulations. Up you go. Well done. Thank you. Now, 
Now, this is a challenge for the adults. Does anyone can name this dwarf? Doc. Doc. This is Doc. Okay, so this character in the story of Snow White, his name was Doc. What was Doc's role? Pharmacist. <laughs> Pharmacist. <laughs> Excellent. He was like the leader of the group, actually. Doc was the, the leader of the group, so he was known as their sort of uh, leader. And... Um, um, and he was kind, and he was thoughtful, and all the dwarves are, you know, even the, even the grumpy one we'll talk about later. Um, but he actually proved not to be a great leader, not perfect, actually. When, it, when pressure came, he got quite flustered. When he found out about Snow White's deep sleep, he just didn't quite know what to do. Um, so he was flustered, and that's quite poignant, I think, about kind of things, leaders not proving to be perfect. Um, I won't do too much of this today, trust me. But we have just been through an election uh, that seemed to be all about the leaders and not about the parties. So much weight put on individual people. Um, and we seem to talk about leaders more than parties. We seem to talk about people and the expectations of a person. We load an awful lot on an individual. Um, so in America, it's all about Trump. And then you hear about other leaders, you know, Macron and Putin and... Zelensky, and we talk about the leader, but we never really understand or even know what their parties are about often. We just know this leader, and all the expectation is on them, and we trace their behavior all the time. So we seem to have an expectation that a, a person is the leader who will make everything right, and we fixate on that individual. But the reality is that at some point, they're going to fail us. Too much power and too much faith in one person ultimately will disappoint. That was the story of Doc, you know, too much faith in him, too much hope he would lead them. They looked to him, and in that moment, he didn't quite know what to do, and, and now they're let down. Um, and that's nothing new, you know. That's the pattern of human, the human story, the story of our own history. We're a broken people. This is a broken world. There's lots of issues and lots of problems. And we often look to people, to individuals to fix it all, even if we're the ones that created the mess. But there's good news. There is good news. You know this Bible thing here, this one here, this has an Old Testament in it, not just a new one, which has got lots of interesting and stories of human history. Part of the story is about how God allowed people to rise up as kings, judges, and leaders, and to, that's very emotional background music. <laughs> they rose up as leaders. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> but how people rose up and, and, uh, and God would allow it, but at some point they would get a little bit power crazy or something would happen he'd, and he'd let them fall and they would fall. So over and over again in the, in the Old Testament you hear the stories of how different leaders would fall because ultimately they're flawed and it may seem like mad news, uh, bad news, sorry, well maybe mad as well, um, but it's not, it's not really. The kings and the leaders found our proof. They're proof of a calling. We want a good and a perfect king. We need a good and a perfect king. That's what we're after. But we can't seem to find one. And under pressure, Doc becomes overwhelmed. And despite being a good leader, he reveals his limitations in a moment of pressure. We crave a better king than that. We, we want the perfect leader who won't let us down. And it's wired into us in some way. The Old Testament is the story of often trying to find the leader that would ultimately set us all free. Don't put your faith in them. Because ultimately, if you're looking for kings, the story of the Old Testament, often one guy presented it as the story of Star Wars, the original one. 
the, the good one. They're the very first one they made. But, you know, you're looking for kings. These, they're not the kings you're looking for. You know, this kind of constant searching for a... There was droids in that. But looking for a king. These aren't the kings you're looking for. You're looking for a different king. You're after someone else. And Isaiah, the prophet, 700 plus years before Jesus was born, said this. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and, she, and, shall, and shall call him Emmanuel. That's God with us. But then in Isaiah 9, 6, about the coming king, the leader we really want, the leader we really need, it says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There's some great titles. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. That's the kind of leader I want. That's the king I want. Doc was sweet, Doc was cute, but that's the leader we're looking for. Jesus did not come um, because... Uh, Jesus did come. Jesus came because we needed a better king. And he is the best king, the unending king, the unfailing king. That's why we, as Christians, make such a big deal of Christmas. It's not the presents, it's not even the lights, it's not even the train sets. It's this moment when the king we've been looking for turns up. Right, who wants to open the other box? Oh, that was close. I'm going with you. Come on. As an actress, of course. Well, I think you're there. Let's try this one here. Yes, go with that one. Whoa, well done. Round of applause, thank you. Right. This one. Who's this? Sleepy. This is Sleepy. Sleepy. Also looks a bit like Sneezy, but this one is Sleepy. So Sleepy's really funny. Sleepy is because um, he can't stay awake. He's constantly falling asleep. Um, keeps missing out on all the action. He leans against the wall, falls asleep. Um, and, and he basically misses the whole story. Now, now please, uh, don't get me wrong. I'm not taking the mickey out of uh, Sleepy. There's nothing wrong with a good night's sleep. Rest and sleep is, in fact, how we regenerate, how we can kind of physically and mentally and, and everything else. In a busy life, um, we need to make sure we do it. But Sleepy's problem is that he can't seem to stay awake at all. He's in an almost constant state of exhaustion, tired out, and, and on the edge of slumber at any moment. You ever slept through something important? Ever felt kind of exhausted? Jesus' arrival is so important. It seems crazy to just ignore it. It changes history. It sets our calendar. And yet we can so easily miss the whole story because of just busyness and being so exhausted. We don't hear the call. We don't hear, even hear the truth of Christmas. We don't get the message. We just get the the superficial stuff on the outside, and the actual story just passes us by in the busyness, especially around this time of year. I want to encourage you to just stop sometimes, whether you're a Christian, whether you're a churchgoer, whether you're not, just to stop for a moment and go, 
what's this all about? And realize it is about Jesus. It is about him coming. I want to encourage you to do that. Because there's a message in here of, of kind of slowing down on life and being restored by him. Of being able to just say, look, what is life actually about? Who am I focused on? Because we can get so tired and exhausted and we need some rest. Let's look at um, another one from Isaiah, another scripture from Isaiah 40, a prophecy again about not listening, not hearing. It says this, this is, this is going back 700 years before Jesus even comes. It says, have, have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is an everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths, even the young, shall faint and be weary, and young men shall feel ex fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. You know, I pray for all of us in the middle of the busyness of life and the, perhaps the over-busyness of Christmas with work events and social events and family and just life itself trying to keep going at the same time. That we don't get too preoccupied, too exhausted to miss this incredible story that Jesus Christ is coming. Without this message, there can be just so much noise, lots of toys, lots of distractions, lots of chocolate, and then come January, it's all gone. And we're just looking back thinking, oh, I probably overdid it. There's more. We hope for something better. We hope for something more lasting. I think we all hope this story is true. That there is this king coming. This one who will set us free. This God who can restore us. This is better. Why did Jesus come? He came to bring hope. So, uh, next box. <coughs> wow, that has come up so fast. Come on, my friend. All the way, all the way down. Come on. This one's yours. Take the lid off for me. Yeah, that one. Oh, that's it. Go on. It's yours inside. Well done. Thank you very much. Round of applause. He goes back up. All right. Who's this one? This is happy. Yeah, they're all smiling, so it's a little bit hard to differentiate happy sometimes. But that one there is, is happy. So we've got Doc, Sleepy, and Happy. And who wants to be happy? Yeah, yeah we all want to be happy, yeah? Uh, he's the fun one. It's happy, and, and we all want to be happy. And in Snow White, he's just the one who just is always smiling every time. But what does it even mean to be happy? According to Pharrell Williams, it is a room without a roof. Um... <laughs> Apparently. Now, I don't know where, where he lives, but where I live, that's pretty bad news. Okay. That's not exactly something that's going to make me happy. It's not a good thing. don't know if the lyrics would work, work quite as well if it's um, clap along if you feel like water damage is a protracted insurance claim and some proof. Doesn't really kind of work, does it? But that's, uh, that's what he thought it was. But in, in Happy in Snow White, it's just clearly the one that's always smiling. He's the one that's... Um, Always happy, but then he realizes actually when Snow White falls into her into a deep death sleep, he actually isn't 
so happy. He loses that moment of happiness as that curse uh, comes upon her. And he doesn't smile because he feels to him all hope is lost. So, so happy is happiness on the surface, of course, when things are good, but it's passing. It, it goes in moments of difficulty. And I can identify with that whole thing about being sort of the happy guy, very strong. That's who I was as the kind of guy in my youth, in my 20s. I was the guy in the crowd who cracked the jokes. I was the funny one who was fun time Andy, if you watch Friends. I was that fun time Bobby character. I was the fun time Andy. When Andy turns up, we'll have a bit of a laugh. That's what goes on with me and laughing and smiling and always walking in the way and loads of beer, of course. And that was kind of my youth, life and soul of the party. But when I went home, when there was no one else around. I wasn't really that guy. I often felt quite <laughs> alone. And I didn't feel I was happy. Not the dwarf, the emotion. Um, <coughs> so there I, I often felt lost. And I felt like I can feel happy for a while, but then often I just feel low again. This, this, isn't, this is superficial. And life lacked real meaning for me and a real sense of destiny and that kind of big question stuff about what is what it's all about I can kind of laugh and joke with my mates but really when I'm alone I feel, al- I feel alone literally alone and then I met Jesus I was in my 20s to, uh, to the outside world I had everything going for me I was cool <laughs> my daughter hates me saying that she's sitting right up there but I was I was uh, I had a I was a DJ I was a musician I was popular I had loads of friends but to the world, I looked fine, but I didn't feel good at all at home. And then I met this Jesus, this baby, this man who comes for reasons I can't fathom. And he, he's going to give his life to die for my sin and put me back into a relationship with God. And, and no shame and no distant God anymore. A God I could speak to, a God I could pray to. That when I am alone, there's someone always there looking over me like a father. Because he's a good, good father. In the Bible, we hear about some workers who, in the middle of their evening shift, they get to hear of this story. This is from Luke 2, 8 to 12. And there were these shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone upon them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. For today... In the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. This will be the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. For me, this was joy. The joy of knowing that even when I'm not happy, I'm okay. God has got me and I have him. I'm not lost. I've been found. I'm not worried about the big story. There might be things in my life that don't go the way I think, but the big story to me is I have a God who loves me and an everlasting relationship with him. I have a new king, Jesus, a servant king. He's going to lay down his life for me. Why did Jesus come? He came to bring joy to the world. One more box to open. Come on. Right, there's a lot of kids looking disappointed at me now. I'm sorry about that. I should have bought a box for everyone. You can take the lid off for me. Thank you. There you go. Oh, the picture fell off, but that's yours. This is mine. This is this guy. My my t-shirt is 
is behind. This one is grumpy. Grumpy. So, here he is. Perhaps, perhaps the opposite of happy uh, or the opposite of joy is grumpy, constantly griping, frustrated, everything grumpy, he's permanently angry on the edge of a fallout, never quite satisfied, always grumpy. I think that kind of describes a little bit the times I feel like we're in. We just seem a very grumpy nation right now. I think we should all get one of these. Um, I think this has been... Uh, uh, we just seem in a bad mood. Everything turns into an argument. Uh, Brexit, uh, you know, the, the elections were so negative. Character assassination, uh, people getting very grumpy if you didn't vote the way they thought you should. Now, please don't come up to me during the tea and coffee break and start talking politics because you will get this T-shirt flashed at you. Um, <laughs> not because I'm not interested. Not because I'm not interested in politics, but I want my limited time on this earth to speak less about Trump and Boris Johnson or whoever. I want to talk about someone who brings unity, someone who doesn't bring division, someone who doesn't cause us to get into situations of anger. I want to talk to some, about someone more who's a prince of peace and why politics are important. Let's shift our gazes, guys, especially if you've been caught up in all of this. Let's shift our gazes back to the one we need to talk about, to Jesus, the prince of peace. Because we've always needed a better king. We've always needed a better leader. And he's arrived. His name is Jesus Christ. I want to read a little bit that passage again, that one I just read, but I want to read a little bit further on. Um, this is Luke 2 again. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that there will be great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God say, and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Great joy for all the people. Peace for all those who follow him. Remember what was promised in that opening scripture. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's my king. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Jesus comes to break down divisions, to tear down the divisions of class, culture, race, and gender, even the greatest division of all, that our sin would separate us from God. He even breaks down that division. The story of Snow White and the apple, when Snow White is tricked into eating something that brings her into death that represents sin, that's what it does, causes her to fall into a deep sleep, causes us in many ways to fall into a deep sleep. But then the prince comes. The prince comes to set her free. What if he kisses her and she is the, the curse is broken. What's that kiss representing? Love. It's love. The end of Snow White, love comes and breaks the curse of sin and death over her. Jesus comes to break the curse of sin and death over all of us. People say religion causes conflict. I say people cause conflict. If you know Jesus, if you put your faith in him, follow him as Lord, and that means you do what he says because he's your Lord. There is hope, there will be joy, and there is peace. I know this is a Christmas carol concert, and these are carols that we've been singing, but I hope you can see we're talking about the king here. We're talking about a king, the one we're looking for that arrives. And I pray this season you either 
find him for the first time, you re-find him, or you just get excited about who he is all over again. A real king. This isn't a fairy tale. This isn't a fable by the Brothers Grimm. This is true. The king has come. His name is Jesus, and he's an everlasting king. If you want to talk about it more, be prayed for today. There's a prayer team. They're here amongst us. Ask whoever you came with. Ask me. Anyone could talk to you about getting to know this king and getting to be prayed for. Because why did Jesus come? He came because of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. On the first day of Christmas Jesus came to me Salvation full and free On the second day of Christmas Jesus came to me salvation full and free. On the third day of Christmas, Jesus gave to me peace in my heart, everlasting life, and salvation full and free. On the fourth day of Christmas, Jesus gave to me love for all men, peace in my heart, everlasting life, and salvation full and free. On the fifth day of Christmas, Jesus gave to me joy for my soul. Love for all men, peace in my heart, everlasting life, and salvation full and free. On the sixth day of Christmas, Jesus gave to me power from on high, joy for my soul. Love in my heart, everlasting life, and salvation full and free. On the seventh day of Christmas, Jesus gave to me comfort in my sorrows, power from on high, joy for my soul, love for all men, peace in my heart, everlasting life, and salvation full and free. On the eighth day of Christmas, Jesus gave to me hope for tomorrow, comfort in my sorrow, power from on high, joy for my soul, love for all men, peace in my heart, everlasting life, and salvation full and free. On the ninth day of Christmas, Jesus gave to me faith to move mountains, Comfort in my sorrows, power from on high, joy for my soul, love for all men, peace in my heart, everlasting life, and salvation full and free. On the tenth day of Christmas, Jesus gave to me light in the darkness, faith to move mountains, hope for tomorrow, comfort in my sorrows, Joy for my soul, love for all men, peace in my heart, everlasting life, and salvation full and free. On the eleventh day of Christmas, Jesus said to me, a thousand songs to sing, light in the darkness, faith to move mountains, hope for tomorrow, comfort in my sorrow, power from on high. 
Peace in my heart, everlasting life and salvation. 